everyone. Welcome to the podcast of the Vineyard Church, Chester Springs. We invite you to join our mission to love like Jesus, and you can connect with us on social media or visit our website, csvineyard.org. Now for this week's talk, brought to you by co-lead pastor Amos Grunendijk. Good morning, everybody. My name is Amos. Welcome to the Vineyard live stream again. Thank you, guys. Appreciate it very much. Uh, you know, this morning at the outside service, we did a lot of, do you know what this is? And before we get started, I'm going to just talk about a couple of things. But do you guys know what this is? I'm sure. Can we get a zoom in shot of that? Nobody knew what this was at the outside service, and I swore I would never use them because well, there's two reasons. I can't imagine they're good for the environment, and they're not very economical in the sense of price point. Um, it's a lot cheaper to take Welch's grape juice and just pour them in, but this is a uh, pre-packaged communion cup, and it's really meant for travel, but it's COVID-friendly, and so we're going to have these at our outside service on the first week of October, and we're going to take communion together. Uh, I'm really looking forward to it. If you only join on the live stream, we'll, uh, we'll set up like a Zoom room. Again, not this coming Sunday, but the week after, so we can all jump on and do communion together. But you need to like, you know, have crackers and juice in the house for that to work. So I, I really, I hope you join us, but I understand if you don't. And uh, along with that communion service, we're, we're going to change some times on the live stream and outside service. And I mean, the reason is simple. Uh, the weather is changing, and we want to keep people comfortable. We went from trying to stay cool to trying to stay warm this morning, and so the live stream is going to be at 9.30, moving it up a little bit, and the outside service is going to start at 11, starting the first week of October. So mark your calendars. Of course, we'll have it coming to you in our emails, and we'll send you a text as a reminder too, of course. But uh, the other thing that happens with this change to the outdoor services, we're uh, with an 11 o'clock start, like we're kind of coming up on lunchtime. And we thought, while we don't know exactly how this will work, like a social distancing picnic would be cool. And there are some realities where, uh, you know, like if you're single or, or certain families have kind of potted together, like it's not, the lines aren't super clear, but there's space, like there's space to say like, I don't want anyone to come near me, but to have a picnic like in proximity of people I follow Jesus with would be a way to feel connected. And I, I know this is true for me. I don't know this, if this is true for you, but I expect that it is. Simply to see one another, even if it's from, you know, 30 yards away, is a joy. It is a joy to see you. And that's not pressure to come if you're not comfortable, but even, even to stay like super distant, it would be amazing to see you on, I think that's the 4th of October. That's the first Sunday in October. And so that's when the change is happening. So anyway, uh, a couple other things. The next thing is that, uh, you know, COVID has been really hard on all of us, but I think on our kids especially, and it's been tough to do like vineyard kids. We haven't been doing full programming. We've been doing some playground stuff that includes Bible and prayer. But uh, a team of people put together a, a, a social distance bonfire for the kids uh, a week ago. 
and got really creative. They had grid lines out by the fire pit and they, uh, like kids were in pods, pods. <laughs> and so Emily's just going to share real quick via video uh, about some things that happened at that bonfire. So could we get that queued up, please? Thank you. Hello, I'm Emily, the pastor of Vineyard Kids, and I want to share a quick story of hope and love with you today. A few months ago, I was praying for our Vineyard Kids and for a vision and just asking Jesus, what are you inviting us into right now, especially in this time when our kids are feeling isolated and lonely and sad and depressed. And I got this picture in my mind of our kids around the bonfire out front, singing and dancing, um, and just Jesus' love and the Holy Spirit just flowing all around them at this bonfire. And so I thought, hey, we can do a bonfire. And so last week we set up the bonfire. Josh Paget did kid worship, and it was incredible to watch children singing and dancing. They were doing somersaults and to just see the joy and the hope inside of them was a beautiful thing. There were families from our church, families from our neighborhoods. And throughout the bonfire, you could just feel and sense Jesus's presence. After we sang, I did a short Bible lesson with the kids and read from Psalm 139 about how we are wonderfully and fearfully made. I had them close their eyes and just picture Jesus coming to them, giving them a big hug and showing them something very specific about them that he made special. I had them open their eyes and they shared and they told about how Jesus loves them so much. Some of the kids said, God made me special, he made me strong. He made me really good at art. He made me great at sports. He made me loving and kind. And all of these beautiful things that the children were able to see about themselves. And you could see the peace and the hope inside of their hearts. And that for that moment, the sadness and the depression could just melt away. It was wonderful to experience the presence of Jesus during this bonfire. And afterwards, to hear stories from adults, stories of hope, beautiful to hear stories of how we've been praying for things and at this bonfire, just seeing and realizing that there's hope for these prayers to be answered, feeling and experiencing Jesus's love. It was a beautiful time. If there's one thing I know, it's that God loves kids and that they can experience the love of Jesus. Jesus loves kids. He speaks to kids. Uh, if you read the stories about Jesus, you find that even when his disciples like are annoyed by kids, because I don't know why they're loud or they're distracting or they just don't see them as important, Jesus corrects them and brings the children close and says to the disciples, actually, you guys need to understand if you really want to know what my kingdom is about, you become more like them, like not the other way around. And so I just, I love that we were able to do this bonfire. There's another one scheduled, I think, for this Friday, and it's RSVP uh, only, so you'll be getting information about that. And if you're watching and haven't uh, like ever reached out to us, if we don't know you have kids, 
You fill out a Connect card and we'll make sure that you can get information on that. You can get a Connect card on our website. So um, something I forgot to mention with the service change is one of the things that I think is on all of our minds is when and how to come back inside. And that's a decision that we've assembled a team to help discern. We're calling it the COVID advisory team. And if you want to be reminded who's on that team, just send me an email. Uh, but they're scheduling a Zoom meeting to start talking about like what it might look like to move back inside, especially as the uh, weather starts to change. And that's, it just seemed like something we wanted a lot of voices to give input into. Uh, we've got a couple doctors on the team, a retired teacher, uh, a young family, and, and they're, they're putting their heads together. So be in prayer for them. One of the beautiful things about our church is the amazing diversity we have, uh, especially political diversity, which means that you, know, you name the issue and we have people in the extremes and there's strong feelings about how to like navigate the, like, I think for all of us, frustrating and uh, like it's not ideal, the, the world that COVID has brought. And so pray for them. They'll make a recommendation to the board of directors and they'll, then the board will either like affirm or, um, you know, modify the recommendation. So just know that there are a lot of people giving thought to this and uh, it, there's no, I'm not, there's no timeline yet, but that's uh, beginning to be talked about. Um, one other thing, this is really cool. Um, do you guys know what this is? <laughs> this is a magnet that you can stick on your car, um, and it just says love, period, like the series we've been in, but I think if you've been around the vineyard for very long, you know that this is more than a series, it's really a way to broadcast what we're really about because it broadcasts what Jesus is really about. And, uh, and I, I gave this to someone on Friday and he said, oh, it's great. It's a magnet. That way I can take it off and it won't mess up my bumper. And I said, why would you ever want to take this off your bumper? Uh, <laughs> he said, oh, I mean, you know, when it fades out, then I can trade it in for a new one. I said, yeah, that's right. All right. Anyway, um, I, I don't know exactly how to get you these. You could come to the outside service. Um, you can ask me for them. <laughs> Church at csvineyard.org. I'll mail it to you. Uh, anyway, these are, I think, a cool way to kind of broadcast not just what our church is about, but what, it, what Jesus is about. And if, I mean, if you're following Jesus, I think that's, that's what we want to be doing. So like I said, I'm happy. To, I'll, th these fit in a number 10 envelope. I would mail these to you in a heartbeat. Uh, church at csvineyard.org. I get those, uh, or I can direct them as necessary. Okay, so let's pray, and then we'll jump into our series. Sound good? Love. God, we love you. We invite your spirit to come and meet us wherever we're at. We pray that... Uh, your words would penetrate our hearts, that any shame or guilt or baggage that we bring into this time uh, could be given to you and healed and transformed and cleansed. Uh, we ask that you would make us whole. We love you. 
again. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, uh, do you know what this is? This, uh, this is not the last time I'll say that today, but I had to get one, guys. Uh, worship team, you know what this is? It's a compass. What kind of compass? Oh, come on, come on. We've been talking about this for the last few weeks. It's the Jesus compass. No, okay. So we've been talking about how Jesus doesn't give us a road map for our life. Yeah, they're like, oh, yeah, 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 we knew that, right? Actually, I don't know what they're saying. I'm just going to tune out the commentary. They're probably making fun of me because it's a little cheesy. Uh, but the point is, is that we want to use Jesus to align our lives. And as we read about his teachings and consider like his person, who he is and what he's about, we can like uh, calibrate or redirect our lives because the reality is if we're following Jesus at some point or other, we'll take our eyes off him. We'll start doing things our own way. We'll start prioritizing different things or different people or different ideas or different ideologies or theologies or political beliefs or whatever. And so it's good as we read the teachings of Jesus just to get the, uh, the compass out and see if our lives are aligned with his. And it's very different than looking at the teachings of Jesus as like a new religious code or set of behaviors that we have to follow. Um, and so Jesus actually talks about that very thing in Matthew chapter 5, if you have your Bibles, verse 17. He says, Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. No, we'll keep going here in just a second. But when Jesus says, don't think that I've come to abolish the law and the prophets, he is knowing that there are people out there listening to him who think that that might be what he's saying. In fact, if you're a Pharisee, in other words, like a super religious, holy person who has basically divided, devoted their whole life to living a certain way and following a certain code of behavior and rules, uh, they're, they're starting to turn red in the face because they're really frustrated. Why is that? Why would Jesus say, now don't think that I've come to abolish the law and the prophets? Uh, just in case you don't know what law and prophets are, the, the law and prophets basically refer to the entire, what we would call the Old Testament, the law being the first five books uh, traditionally written by Moses, and then the prophets being pretty much everything after that, even Samuel and Joshua and all those guys that we wouldn't necessarily call prophets. In Jesus' day, they considered them prophets. And so uh, why are they wondering or questioning Jesus? Because Jesus is Jewish. He would have read the scriptures. He knew the scriptures. He quoted the scriptures. But they're starting to get red in the face and frustrated because they think he might be throwing them out. Now, they're thinking that because Jesus begins this set of essential teachings by blessing people, right? By blessing the spiritually bankrupt, by blessing people who don't have their lives together. And so if you're a Pharisee, you've devoted your whole life to what they call righteous living, right? I follow the rules. I go to synagogue once a week, I pray every day. In fact, I pray three times a day. And, and I, I've not only follow the rules that I found in the Bible, I've made rules to make sure I don't break the rules that are found in the Bible. And so, like, they've got all kinds of rules, and they're, they're following the rules, and they're interpreting the rules. And, and 
Jesus is blessing people who aren't following the rules, who can't follow the rules, who, who have, according to the religious institution, like gone away from God. And Jesus says, I bless you. And in fact, after blessing them, he looks at them and says, and you know what, you guys, you're the plan. You are the salt of the earth. I'm going to use you to draw the beauty out of the lives of people with whom you work and go to school and, and live and parent and, and, you know, just do life with. You're my plan to bring my kingdom, which, by the way, doesn't look anything like Caesar's kingdom, doesn't look like the kingdoms of the world who exert their influence by force and fear and, and like, power as the world defines it. My power is different and my plan is different. I'm not going to the religious elite. I'm not, I haven't gathered together the, the Pharisees and, and the experts in the law and said, you guys are the plan. I've gathered together the weak and the meek and uh, those, those who like, have trouble even getting out of bed on time in the morning. And so as the Pharisees and religious experts listen to Jesus, you can imagine that they're frustrated and they're starting to question whether or not Jesus is taking the Bible seriously. And so they probably sigh a a little like moment of relief here when he says, don't think that I have come to abolish the law and the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. For truly, I tell you, until heaven and earth disappear, not the smallest letter, not the least stroke of a pen will by any means disappear from the law. Now, just again, the Bible, uh, the Old Testament, until everything is accomplished. Therefore, anyone who sets aside one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do accordingly will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever practices and teaches these commands will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. And now the Pharisees are like, oh, I knew it. That's a relief. Jesus was just buttering them up. He, you know, he took the spiritually bankrupt and gave him a good pop to the jaw. And, uh, and now he's saying, like, it's the Pharisees. You were right all along. Except Jesus doesn't stop there. He says, for I tell you that unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, you will certainly not enter the kingdom of heaven. And now their faces are red again because they're upset. And honestly, the people listening who were just blessed are probably a little confused themselves. Like, well, what hope is there for us? Like, how are we going to have righteousness that surpasses that of the Pharisees? How could we possibly live a life that is more righteous than that of the Pharisees? And again, righteous can be a little bit of a religious word, but... um, if, if you just look at the idea behind it, it, it could be translated justice, so you live a life of justice. It could be translated like living right, like uh, in line with God's design and will for your life, okay? So that's what we mean by righteousness. But Jesus gives us a key here to what he means up above in verse 17 when he says, don't think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. And so Jesus is giving us a picture here. And if you 
zero in on that word fulfill. It's pleroma in the Greek. It, it, it means to like, like fill up, like if, if you imagine a, a basket that gets full of fruit or a painting that gets filled in or, or like a goal like you, you, that you've completed or come into. Like he's saying, I am not abolishing the scriptures as you've understood them. I am completing them. I am fulfilling them. I am giving you a new interpretive lens through which to view them. And this doesn't actually give the Pharisees any great relief because he basically is saying, as I fulfill them, as I become the perfect picture of what the Old Testament was trying to say all along, you've misread it. You've built theologies and rules and beliefs around a false premise. You've built them around your behavior and modifying it through your self, uh, self-discipline instead of looking at the heart and specifically my heart, which is full of love. And so with, if you look at any passage in the Old Testament and don't see where it is actually God's plan to express his love. And this can, this can be very difficult. <laughs> if you don't look at the Old Testament through the lens of me, says Jesus, and understand that God is doing a loving thing, ultimately, you've misread. And again, that's very difficult. But like, let's take the Ten Commandments just as an example. Uh, some of you guys know these. You know, it's no other gods and no graven images and, and keep the Sabbath day, right? Like take a day of rest. Don't murder. Don't steal. Don't covet. Don't commit adultery. Don't lie. I'm sure I missed a few, but right, these these are like the bare bones basic laws, uh, maybe the most important decrees that God gives in the Old Testament. And uh, what Jesus is saying is if you see those laws as the things you must do in order to be accepted by God, you've missed the point. What they are actually is the design for human flourishing that I gave you so that you might be free. And here's what the Pharisees are doing with those laws and the laws that they create around them. Do you guys know what this is? <laughs> no, this is weird when there's... This is a color by number. Uh, do you remember doing things as a kid? Now, the, the Pharisees are coloring by number righteousness, okay? And it, it might even be hard to tell what this is. Can you guys tell what this is? Well, give me, give me just a second. Actually, let me just I gotta really get into this here a second. Okay. There we go. Okay. It's a bird. This is a bird that has drawn inside the lines, uh, just as the, the Pharisees like live inside the lines. And what Jesus is saying to us is, I am not looking for this kind of righteousness. I am not wanting you to live a life that is preoccupied with coloring inside the lines. I have created you to be a masterpiece that follows me, that desires my will, but most of all, loves. And so here's, here's an example of something that was created that could have never been put together through paint by numbers. This is a Van Gogh. And you can, you can feel the energy. You can... You can 
Like, just see the freedom he had. Now, again, he, he painted on the canvas. It's possible to go off the canvas. It's possible to go off course. But the idea here is Jesus saying, I want your righteousness to look like this. Not like this. And the way you get from paint by numbers to the masterpiece that I designed you to be is to love. Like, your imperfect love for me and for others is more than, is greater than a life full of following the rules. Your righteousness, that, like the goodness that I designed you for, is expressed through love, <clears throat> not through behavior modification. And, and for us, like we see that like our faith is built on a foundation, not of morality, uh, not of theology, not, not of church programs, right? Like this is so relevant for our time today. Jesus doesn't need church programs to accomplish his will. In fact, we don't have much for church programs, but that was never Jesus' plan. His plan was you and not your church programs, but, and church programs are good. I like church programs. His plan was you and your changed hearts. His plan to bring his kingdom is through your changed hearts who desire the good of other people, who love them freely, who, again, if you get out the Jesus compass, you know you're in alignment. You know you're headed toward him when, you're, when, your, love, or when your life gets more loving. And so one of the early writers uh, of the New Testament, Paul, kind of even unpacks this even more. And you can, you can just read this like, description of what the fruit of the Spirit looks like, like, and say, yeah, I want more of that, right? So he says, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things, there is no law, right? So interesting uh, that, that Jesus is giving us a new lens through which to see both his teachings and, and the entire like, catalog of the Bible. I'm not giving you a new religion. I'm giving you a new way to live and love God and other people. So follow me. Now, what can we do? How, how can we get there? How does this look? Because you're thinking, if you're thinking religiously, you're thinking, oh, I don't know how well I can do those things. And and Jesus kind of like ups the ante too and, and fills in the gaps for us a little bit because if you look um, just past our, our passage today, in, in your Bibles, there's a heading murder and then there's a heading adultery. And so like if you know these passages, you can read these religiously and, and be full of despair, right? Because Jesus says, you have heard it said, do not murder, right? One of the Ten Commandments. And uh, he says, here's the deal. If you, if you experience rage, if you like cannot control your anger to the point where you're like insulting people, like just calling people names because they're on the other side of the issue as you, like that's the same as murder. You see how it's not, he, he's like, yeah, don't murder, but I'm actually interested in something deeper than the behavior. I'm, I'm interested in your heart. He does the same thing with uh, adultery. He says, You've heard it said, don't commit adultery. And, uh, and he would say the same thing. But I tell you, even if you look at a woman lustfully, 
you've committed adultery in your heart. Because he says, that's the heart issue. I'm after new hearts here. And, and, and like, if it's a religion, it's really bad news because, man, I don't think any of us have the self-control to live up to that standard. If it's a standard by which um, we earn God's favor, we actually need help. We could probably do a decent job if we tried hard enough, like the Pharisees did, to follow the Ten Commandments. I can avoid murdering you, okay? I I have the self-control to avoid murdering you. And I I have the self-control not to sleep with my neighbor's wife or husband or whatever, right? Like I I can hold back. But what about what's in my heart? Like, what do we need for that? And this is where we can just, we can go to one of the prophets. So this is written well before Jesus by a prophet named Ezekiel. And he's, he's actually kind of speaking God's words to his people who are at this point in exile, right? They're not in the promised land. They're, they're in a miserable condition in a foreign country under the oppression of, a, of one of the like, great historical powers. And he says to them, I will sprinkle clean water on you and you will be clean. I mean, there's a statement that undercuts the deepest of shame. I will cleanse you from all your impurities and from all your idols. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. And I will remove from your heart the heart of stone and will give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. In other words, we're talking about a new heart being the root and like the way we live our lives being the fruit. And if you turn a tree upside down, it's dead, okay? Like, it's an act of God. Like the new heart that he wants to give us is, is, is his action, not something we can earn or do on our own. It is him. And so I want to just, I want to end here by doing actually what Emily had the kids do. And I want you to keep the idea of this masterpiece in your mind because the, the painting that will be your life will look differently than this, will look differently than mine because God has designed you differently. He has designed you to love, yes, but he has given you unique passions and propensities and talents and like he's giving you different people and contexts and and experiences, and and he wants to use all of that to bring beauty to people. He wants you to have this kind of righteousness, like the kind that's free and that can only come through new hearts, not through trying harder, but through grace. And so uh, the worship team is going to come up, and I'm just going to invite God's Spirit to come. So come Holy Spirit. We ask that you would speak to us now, and, uh, and as you do, we ask that we would experience your love and your closeness. We ask that you would tell us like the strengths and gifting that you've created us to be. Give us a glimpse of the masterpiece that you've made us to be. Remind us of how you've created us in our uniqueness, God.
Come Holy Spirit. And I, I would say like, if you pray those words for yourself, that's actually even more powerful than me praying those words for you. God, show me how you've created me. And out of that, we offer you our hearts and our minds and our bodies. And I just, I think like some of us need our theologies to be rewritten and our priorities to be reorganized, just as the Pharisees would have realized like, oh, we've been, some of them would have realized, oh, we've been, we've been reading God's like word all wrong because we missed his heart. We saw the words without the heart. So God, I I ask you to align our hearts and our minds with yours. Help us to see Jesus on every page of the Bible and help us to live in such a way that people see Jesus in us every day. Thanks again for listening to the podcast of the Vineyard Church, Chester Springs. We hope you share this with your friends and family and subscribe on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. See you next time.